No. Hello, everyone. It's Will and Dan here, just with a quick word before we get into today's episode proper. Yes, so we are about to go track by track through Girls Aloud's second album, What Will the Neighbours Say, which we recorded uh, a few weeks ago now before the devastating news of Sarah's death. And it's fair to say that we uh, are both huge Girls Aloud fans and I've loved the girls and everything they've released, not just musically, but also the impact that they had as a band on the pop charts, but also on our lives as we were avid pop fans and enjoying their particular brand of innovative and attitude-filled music. Sarah was a huge part of that and for us was a massive inspiration uh, and idol through that time. It's been so sad hearing about the struggle she's had with breast cancer and we really want to dedicate today's episode to her. So as we said, this episode was recorded a few weeks ago. We decided to keep it as it is and as it was and to keep it as a true celebration of the girls, all five of them and their career and this great pop album. Uh, initially, we did say this one was going to be uh, Patreon exclusive, but uh, we know how many Girls Aloud fans listen to Track by Track. So this one now is available for all of you. And we'd like to think, we talked about maybe doing something different with this episode, but we like to think that uh, the humour and joy that we approach talking about what will the neighbours say um, would be totally appreciated uh, at this time because of uh, us uh, being huge fans of the girls uh, and their work, uh, and particularly Sarah's humour. The the attitude and, and great humour that she approached life with. I think it's probably be up her street. So this is for her and for her four bandmates uh, and for all the fans. We hope you enjoy it. Do let us know. And let us know. Share with us, please, your memories of Sarah uh, in the comments. Enjoy the episode. Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where we take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. And have we got a show for you today because on the turntable, we've got What Will the Neighbours Say by Girls Aloud. So all you love machines better hear us out because we're bringing you back to real life on Track by Track. So this, I was trying to think, Dan, before we start recording, how many Girls Aloud albums have we done so far? Is this our third? This is our third. Way back in year one, we did uh, Out of Control. And then last year, we celebrated 18 years of Sound of the Underground. And then here we are with What Will the Neighbours Say? And the reason we're doing it today, Will, before you ask me again, which you definitely will, Love Machine, the second single from this album, was released 17 years ago today. Now, we're big Girls Aloud fans here on Track by Track, as I'm sure you're aware uh, from our previous episodes, but also of our uh, general likes and dislikes. So this is always a treat when we cover a Girls Aloud album, and especially one we wanted to do during this third birthday, no, anniversary uh, mini marathon. Uh, That is if you are listening in order and at time of release. If not, enjoy the episode. Yeah, whenever this is. It might be Christmas Day 2022. Have a lovely day. Well, no, because if it was Christmas Day, you'd be listening to the Christmas uh, bonus disc on from Chemistry, obviously. Obviously. Whoa. And wouldn't, just... it be, and wouldn't it be nice if we could do that in one of our 
uh, famous, world-famous track-by-track Christmas episodes. Will, that is uh, quite a genius idea. Uh, so Girls Aloud, uh, English pop group, English-Irish pop group, sorry Nadine, uh, who formed in 2002 as a result of pop stars The Rivals. They were triumphant over One True Voice. Sorry, Dan, I know you're a fan. Still am. Get over it. Get over it already. Uh, and of course, it's Cheryl, it's Nadine, Sarah, Nicola, and it's Kimberley. Uh, and on this album, though, Dan, they do have uh, other names at one point, and we'll come to that when we get to it. And I'll test you and see if you can re- remember them. Mm, I look forward um, to that. You're looking very vacant at the moment, so yeah. clearly no idea what I'm talking about. Not a clue. But if you're a Girls Aloud fan listening to this episode, you know exactly what I mean. They had a huge career of chart-topping singles and albums behind them, and uh, a pop production powerhouse always behind them. And I think on the album that we're talking about today, this saw the start of their exclusive partnership with them. And they are, of course, Zenemy. And this was Zenemania during their imperial phase. So you had you had Brian, you had Miranda, you had Tim, and you had a cast of thousands of other people who have had involvement with Zenemania and also worked on other things themselves since then. There was definitely a feeling at this time that they were at their creative nadir. And they really were creating some of the most exciting uh, experimental pop music at the time. And it's something that the charts hadn't really seen the like of. Definitely not. And it really did get the attention of artists from, you know, across the genres, really, didn't it? Because then after this, artists or bands, I should say, were clawing and clambering to get to work with Xenomania, including, we've said it a billion times, including the likes of New Order and Franz Ferdinand. They all wanted a piece of this. And of course, Gossip who we talked about earlier this year. And it was because of the work that they'd done with Girls Aloud. So Girls Aloud were like a really good shop window into their pop production house. Mm. And I think the style and the direction that that musical creativity took the girls in from here onwards was very exciting time in pop music as well and spurred spurned on a lot of other groups to try and emulate that that formula and that success but without the personalities and talents of the five girls and the production is animania but we're probably going very deep very early quite painful <laughs> so well this was the second album from girls aloud now we've talked before oh, we should actually that we should dan we should actually say what we're talking what album we're talking about today because we haven't actually mentioned it yet we have what have we actually said have i done my i've not done my bit yet oh you've not done your spiel no we've said what album we're talking about spiel. i've not done, not done my stick. Sp- yeah. So today we are talking about What Will the Neighbours Say, which was the second studio album by Girls Aloud and was released in November 2004. And Dan, why are we talking about this album today? I know you know. <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> but why? But of course, Will, it's because it is 17 years ago today that Love Machine was released as the second single from this album. And 2004, this was a great time for pop music. Uh, not just with Girls Down's Animania, but the charts in general. And I'm sure you've got up your sleeve, Dan, a little window onto the world of the pop charts at the time of these releases as well. Of course I do, Will. And our new regular feature, Window into the World of Pop Music at the time of the album that we're talking about. This Oh, I thought, you were gonna, I thought you were going to call it What Will the Charts Say? Oh, well, that would have been much Which better. Would have been much better, anyway. Yeah. So, Will, we know that track by track are huge fans of Girls Aloud. We've said many times, another thing we've said many times, we just keep saying the same thing many times. Uh, you were a huge Girls Aloud fan, whereas for me, Spice Girls were were my number one sweethearts. Um, and while I loved Girls Aloud, I never really got into the albums. So I would love to know when this album came out, uh, did you get it on release day? Was you eagerly anticipating it? Did it live up to expectation? I was hungrily sniffing around on the internet trying to find tracks from this album, listen to things as soon as I could. It was so excited to hear this album coming out. I'm not sure what um, Brian would make of that, actually, Will. Obviously, I bought the album and the singles. 
Of course. Of course. But I was so, I so loved their debut and the direction they were headed in that I was just so eager to hear what was coming up next. I was so not disappointed with this album when it came out. And we should say for clarity as well that we are um, purists on Track by Track. So we will always do the core UK release album, not a special edition, not an international edition, not a bonus track version. So our text today is 12 tracks long. With some further listening, of course. With some further listening, of course, which I'm very excited about. So, so I think we've said enough. Let's listen to the music. And side one, track one is the show. the show there this was also the lead single to be released off the album so it was the first taste of new girls live material the first glimpse of the direction they were headed in and of this exclusive partnership with xenomania uh and i have to say i was invigorated and open-mouthed when i first heard this because it was full of attitude it was fresh it was a bit more kind of electro pop euro pop a little bit ravey as well uh, but I, it's so, as with a lot of Girls Aloud songs, so hooky, so catchy. But for me, it's all about that bass line that's running through it. And also the synth that runs all the way through it as well. Yeah, I love the sound of this one. I love how the sound of Girls Aloud has moved on from the first album. The first album, of course, we've talked about it. It was a great pop album. I think Xenomania on that one. Of course, not doing the whole thing, but the tracks that they worked on kind of played a little bit more maybe to um, 80s sounds, certainly on No Good Advice. But then here, like you say, you've got synths, you've got electric bass, you've got a real kind of like almost hints of 90s dance maybe. And the other thing I like about it is that whereas maybe the songs by Xenomania on the first album were a little bit safer, here you're straight into the chorus. And that is a very... Xenomania trademark, isn't it? To just mix mm. up what a pop song looks like, mix up the kind of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle eight, whatever. They're straight into this banging chorus uh, and then the track does whatever the track does after that. And I think from here on out with Girls Allows, the introduction of that kind of pop, dance pop, synth pop sounds, there was no going back because they never went back to something more traditional in terms of pop music or sounding. If anything, they just continued to push the envelope and they would go full dance full euro pop full rave up in the future this was the start of that and this is kind of like the evolution or the introduction of their sound and that kind of although it was different every time this xenomania girls allow collaboration that would kind of follow and evolve on the same path but also it was never too samey they would throw in the odd ballad uh, as all pop bands and, and girl groups should do uh, and then there was the odd curveball with sort of promise or biology that kind of just like took away the electronics a little bit but then they'd bring it back with like sexy no 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 or something kind of ooh um yeah they they were really at home with those big pop electronic dance bangers sexy no 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 is bonkers it makes no sense whatsoever has a structure that's just insane but at the same time it's absolutely brilliant yeah. Have we talked about that yet? We haven't, we? we. That's Untangled Up, isn't it? Yeah. No, we haven't done that one yet. We haven't done Tangled Up. That's a brilliant album. That's a brilliant Girls Out album. Uh, Put it on the long list. Of course they're all on the long list. Uh, this was the lead single, and it got to number two in the UK singles chart. Dan, put us out of our misery and tell us who was at number one. Oh, you're not going to like this, Will. Oh, no. It was Burn by Usher. Usher, love. Oh, God. God. And you know, yeah, it was a bit of a banger. Well, it was a lot of a banger, but it was just too slow and too insipid, I want to say. It was very schmaltzy. Might be the right word for that one. Which is a shame, Dan, because, Dan. Yeah. 
He was absolutely gorgeous. He was. And I was going to say, and still is. I've not seen a picture of him for a while. Uh, also, Will, worth pointing out, new entries, just to give you a context of the charts at that time, other new entries that week in the top 10, uh, Kylie Minogue with Chocolate, George Michael with Flawless Go to the City, and Blue with Bubbling. Uh, which was you, your, similar to your tummy troubles today, actually, isn't it? A bit bubbly. <laughs> not on our birthday week. <laughs> so, Dan, this is what I was going to say. The video for this... They're running a salon called Curls Aloud, and they're all they all work in the salon, and they all have names. Can you remember any of them? Oh, it's so all linked linked to what they do in the salon. So it's sort of the the, the say will be there uh, Poundland version of that video. Is that what you're saying? No, no, come on now, that's <laughs> quite harsh, even for you, even for me. Wow. Um, oh, uh, Sweeper Sally. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you because you you'll never get it. Saturday girl, so Sammy Joe. So Nicola was Chelsea Tanner, Nadine was Frenchie, Sarah was Super Styler, Cheryl was Maxi Wax, and Kimberly was the boss. Not Bruce Springsteen. She was just in charge of the salon. And you do like a Maxi Wax, don't you yourself? Uh, yeah, I do like a good uh back wax. You look like a Pluck chicken when they've done with you. Yeah, ready for roasting. <laughs> no, 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 sorry, I'll take that back. Don't. So not only was this a number two hit, uh, it also uh, was a European hit as well. Uh, but I just think, uh, what a great song to come back with. Totally refreshing, totally invigorating, and a big kickstart, not only for Girls Aloud, but for... For for electro pop and the pop world in itself, and actually, we'll just quickly before we move on. To oh no, that the... was a perfect <laughs> wrap up before the next track. It wasn't that great, really? It's quite open. <laughs> actually. I think it's important to say at this song because this was the lead single from the album. Got to number two, did really well. In my research, I couldn't believe that they were almost dropped by their record label ahead of this album coming out, and they they um. Someone within their team had to beg to be for them to be given a chance for a second album. I think that is mind blowing considering the hits they had before this. But they were only going to have a second album if then Brian Higgins and Xenomania did the whole thing. That was the deal, and the rest is history—a whole lot of history. Thank you for that, uh, Dan. Also, I think we should mention—I've just remembered something else actually. That a big someone else who had a big hand in this track, uh, who and who was working with the Xenomania team at the time, was John Shave, who you know very well. Was he another one of the characters in the video? <laughs> yes, he did the men's treatments. <laughs> short backs and sides, not short backs. That sounds like a medical condition. That he's a, a brace. Anyway, yes, John Shave of the Invisible Men, who we are only talking about yesterday. If you are listening in chronological order at time of release uh, <laughs> on the Coldplay episode. But why were we talking about John Shave in the Coldplay episode? I'm not sure anymore. Uh, there was an Invisible Men remix of oh, one of the tracks. yes. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Spoiler alert um, if, you, if you're not listening in order. Let's move on to track two, which is, which is Love Machine. And before we play the track and talk about it... Dan, I uh, there's going to be something that I know you're going to talk about after this track is played, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell everybody, and we'll all have a good laugh about it. But I can read you like a book. Okay. Here we go. Come make my dreams, honey, hard as it seems. Loving me is as easy as mine. What a juxtaposition to the first track. Again, the sound it still continues this this adventure into dance pop with a kind of 80s feel to it. Uh, but it sounds completely different. Uh, and is just a... 
it's mind-blowing how crazy and fun this track is. Were you expecting this from them when it came out, Dan? Certainly wasn't expecting it, because I think, again, it was Xenomania experimenting with pop music and what pop music could do even more. I feel like I have to say, just before we get too deep into this one, and I feel like I have to hold my hands up, and I might have mentioned this before, as we said before, huge Girls Aloud fan, uh, listed off before loads of songs of theirs that I love, but even from the first release, or even from when it was first released to today, this has never been one of my favourite Girls Aloud songs. It wouldn't be in my top 10 Girls Aloud songs. Really? Why not? I just, there's, there's, I think, I think it's just too, obviously there's that kind of guitar, drum, heavy uh, music in this one, inspired, I believe, by the Smiths. I don't know if that's the thing that you thought I was going to say, but there I said it. Um, no, it's not yet. No, you've not said it yet. Um, but it's it's just a little bit too repetitive. And also, I think the lyrics, sorry, lyrically. Lyrically? Just almost, almost like playful for playful sake, I think. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. Uh, but it's not to say I dislike the song. It's just, as I say, I could name many more that I prefer. I love the playful lyrics in this. And just, again, the experimentation with taking something that's, that's very, uh, very up-tempo, really swinging, really bouncy, but adding in those layers of the lyricism in there. Um, just some fantastic lines in there. It's also where What Will the Neighbours Say, the album name, the album title comes from as well. Also, I can remember dancing a lot to this when it came out. Uh, like pe- me and my friends, we'd always used to do the actions. So like when it was What Will the Neighbours Say, you do it over the back of your hand. Oh, and yeah. yeah, very fun, very fun. So it was, you know, it does remind me of lots of fun as well. It's a very fun song. No doubt about that. Are you sure? I mean, you're it, quite critical just then. Well, it's a fun song, but so is the cheeky song. Or the fast food song. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> it's got to, again, it got to number two in the singles chart. Dan, who was the number one? Number one, Call On Me by Eric Prids. Prids? Prides. Prids. Prids. Uh, and another new entry at number three, uh, Green Day, American Idiot. And Dan, also... Your very good friend, Rob Copsey, said uh, when he was working for Digital Spy, uh, before he uh, got all up himself and went to work for the official charts company, uh, he said that despite having had many previous releases, it wasn't until Love Machine that the band was thrust into the wider public consciousness. I definitely think this is the most known single from this album. And actually, one of their most known, surely. Well, and that's really evident when you look at the uh, number of plays the tracks from this album have had on Spotify. This has had 36 million plays and there's only one other song on this album that comes anywhere near close. And jump. we'll talk about that when we get... Well... <laughs> oh, I always have to... You've, and you've jumped the gun there by actually <laughs> saying that. <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, that does show as well. I'd imagine it's very popular on a hen night. Mm, absolutely. Speaking of which, I think I've worked out what what um what you think I'm going to say. Go on, go on, go on. The um there was a video remake, wasn't there? I think it was for EastEnders, where they had like Pat Butcher and the like, and the Slaters. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got there. And they almost did trying to do the video like the video set in like a fancy casino, and they did it where it was set in the Queen Vic. Yeah. Oh, Pat, I do miss her. Of course, there is another very well-known version of this song from a very different act. Arctic Monkeys covered it in the live lounge, and um, you know that is played a lot, isn't it? And a lot of Arctic Monkeys fans, who might not necessarily have been Girls Loud fans, love that cover. So I believe. And let's have a little bit of it right now. Come make my dreams only hard as it seems Loving me is as easy as pie I'm just a love machine Feeding my fantasy Give me a kiss or three And I'm fine I need a squeeze a day Instead of the negligee What will the neighbours say? And it's time I've been going crazy So, track three now And we're slowing things down a little bit 
So grab your nearest and dearest, or maybe someone you want to get a bit nearer and dearer to and with. This is, I sound like a DJ. Uh, I am available. I'll stand by you. We're available. Oh, I'll stand by you there, and what a great track to use for a Children in Need single, uh, which it was for Children in Need in November 2004. And say what you like about this version of this track, but it got to number one, and it certainly helped raise the girls' profiles even higher still. Yes, definitely. It's quite an honour, I think, isn't it, to be asked to do the Children in Need single or the Comic Relief single. But, you know, it's it's clearly an act that the charity believes in. They think it's going to sell lots and make lots of money uh, for Children in Need, of course, before you had those huge hit singles for S Club 7 that we've talked about. Um, and I think this certainly did the job. And also, it's got to be the right kind of song, I think, for, for a charity single. Um, and again, this definitely does that. Oh yeah, I think the kind of the sentiment in this song is perfectly suited for all the poor little kiddies out there. Critically, this track was absolutely panned to death. And I would say, although it's not my favourite song on the album, and the original from Chrissy Hind uh is fantastic. It's not that it's not as bad. There's some great production in there actually, but it's a cover of a of a very beloved song. So they were on a hiding to nothing as well. Yeah, and I have to say, again, I do love Girls Loud, but for me, this is a song that didn't need to be covered. I have to say, when they did, I think it was the year after this, they did See the Day, I thought that was a stunning cover. I thought they did it really well. I didn't really know the original as well, which helps. Um, and I think quite often if I see someone rating the Girls Loud singles, See the Day gets, you know, it's quite low down in the rankings. But I think I think that I think that was a phenomenal one, uh, a phenomenal cover, I should say. This I can, I, I think the critics were very harsh, but I can see where they're coming from. Thank goodness there are a couple of remixes uh, to bring things up from Tony Lamesma and Gravitas. Both of them were uh, uh, aliases for Xenomania at the time. Uh, but also the Tony uh, Lamesma and Gravitas remixes were the kind of standard for all the singles through this album campaign. And typically the Tony ones were like pop as a clock and the Gravitas ones are a bit more uh, disco funky types. Uh, and actually they would go on to do them for future releases as well. And I think it was a nice touch to keep all of it in the family. So as you already said, Will, this was number one for Charity, which is fantastic, and their second number one. It knocked off U2's Vertigo, which fell all the way down to number seven, actually. Um, but also new entries in the top ten that week from Lamar with If There's Any Justice, Gwen Stefani with What You're Waiting For. Oh, I, I can't believe sorry. that went in number four, actually. I thought that would be number one. If there, if any pop... Sorry, I've got to say something. Yeah, say uh, it. If any pop song released in that year sounded like a number one record it was that song I, I, I definitely and actually the fact that <laughs> this cover got to number one and that song didn't baffles me a little bit but it was for charity charity it was for the kiddies Dan. for the kiddies also number yeah uh, new entries from mcfly room on the third floor and jojo but talking about the charity and the kiddies my favorite quip when people were being quite uh uncharitable about the track was from Sam Shepard of Music OMH, who said, perhaps the children most in need are those that part with their pocket money for this drivel. Oh. <laughs> Get knickers to him. Hmm. Or her. Could be a woman. Could be a woman. But congratulations to the girls on their second number one. Can I say the thing that I, I, that I really didn't like about the song, though, the actual thing that could have made it better in my eyes? Uh, the video. N not cheap. No? Well, oh, sorry. Not actually. Any, that go on. Making it worse. <laughs> I don't, you know, like when you hear Chrissy Hines singing it, it's her story and she, you hear everything from her, here, her, 
<laughs> got a bit high as in Fouquet. <laughs> when you've got the girls singing it, they're kind of all taking a line and the sentences don't really flow very much. It just it doesn't work as a five piece, five vocalist track for me. There, I said it. Yes, yeah, so track number four now. And for the second time in on track by track... So, Jump there. What a fun song for the second time. Really is a fun song. And actually, this as a cover, I really like because I think Xenomania really put their spin on this one. And it sounds very different to the Point Sisters original. As you said, Will, we've talked about it before. When we did Sound of the Underground, we did the second release of it. And this, of course, features on there. Without wanting to go on too much about it, of course, it conjures up memories of Love Actually, which it was recorded for and which it featured in. Um, well, no, I hate to correct you, Dan. Oh, you're right to, because I've realised my mistake there. Please, please do. Well, no, correct yourself. I'll give you an opportunity to correct yourself. It was recorded for, but didn't feature in the Pointer Sisters version featured in the film. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's a newer, more exciting, maybe not more exciting, but it's a newer, more contemporary version of the track. And that is what a good cover should be. What, what do you think about this one, Will? Uh, yeah, what a fun song. And it's a great... The video is great fun as well because they kind of weaved the girls around uh, scenes from the film, uh, dance of uh, Hugh Grant dancing in the White House. And this one, so of course, this came out the year before. What will the neighbours say? This came out in two thousand and three, and this another number two. This this the girls Aladdin must have had more number twos than any other band. Than you? Well, not, not sure about Steady that. On. <laughs> Uh, this was beaten to the top uh, by Westlife with Mandy. And also in the top 10 that week, a new entry number three, Alex Parks. Maybe that's what it takes. I loved Alex Parks. Both her albums, I thought they were fantastic. Uh, also Lamar again with 50-50. And Pet Shop Boys at number 10 with Miracles. Oh. I love that mi- one. What a, what a mixture of great pop acts existing, talent show acts, uh, searching for fame. And Girls Aloud right in there as well. Uh, there's a great almighty remix of this track as well, which uh, does exactly what you'd expect. So, Will, one more single to go. Track number five. This is Wake Me Up. Again, five tracks in, another completely different sound, but still with a great electro-pop rock, in this case, uh, vibe running through it. Very rocky. I love this one. I think it's not one of their most remembered tracks, is it? Because obviously it was the last single from the album. Um, So as we said before, Love Machine is probably what springs to mind for most people. But I love how edgy that's a good word for it this is the guitars are turned up xenomania of course love guitars and love using guitars in their sound but here they are so prominent along with everything else as well along with all of that uh electronics going on do you you remember the video for this i want to say motorbikes they were on motorbikes but it was motorbikes on the cheap so they were blatantly stationary in a studio but with the kind of background and the wind machine going 10 to the dozen and it produced quite a camp sort of kitschy twist on motorbikes but they were giving it all with the head swinging the hair blowing the added dripping in attitude definitely fits the the imagery fitted the sound didn't it and i was very surprised to learn that this was in the maybe pile for the lead single from the album i think they definitely made the right choice with the show 
but I believe it was this, uh, the show, Graffiti My Soul, which we'll talk about later, and also one of the B-sides, Androgynous Girls. Which we might also talk about later as well. Perhaps. Do you think they made the right choice with the show as the lead? Yeah, definitely. Because I think that it was it was not just a great pop song. It was a statement of where the direction that they were headed in as well. And one of the things I love about this album is, although that's the direction they're headed in, there's some wonderful detours uh, down incorporating different musical styles as well. Like Love Machine, like this. There's some very much more straightforward electropop to come on some of the album tracks, which is great as well. You've got a few ballads peppered in there as well. And if you go deluxe, you've got even more ballads. But we're not going deluxe. We're not. Thankfully, thankfully. Uh, there were also uh, Tony, Tony Lamesa and Gravitas uh, remixing this one as well. Uh, there are also a couple of other B-sides uh, which uh, aren't exactly bangers. It's probably the nicest thing I can say. <laughs> and Daniel wants to know how it did. It was still top five, so it got to number four in the singles chart when it was released in uh, February 2005. So, Will, there were a few new entries in the top ten that week. Number one was Over and Over by Nelly featuring Tim McGraw. For the life of me, I don't, can't remember how that song goes No, I was just trying, I can't think, can't think. Obviously, a very memorable song. And then Pipping Girls Aloud to the number three spot was Elvis Presley with Mary's The Name, His Latest Flame. I think they were doing some sort of re-release thing, weren't they, at the time? Mm. But interesting, elsewhere, you've got Akon with Locked Up, Usher with Caught Up, so they've, they've beat him this time round. And that's it for your new entries on this week's Top 10 Playback. And Will, before we leave this one, this is the song that Alex from Franz Ferdinand heard on the radio and the song that made him want to work with Girls Aloud. Xenomania. He probably would have loved to work with Girls Aloud as well. Lovely ladies. Track number six now, and this is Deadlines and Diets. Hits me in the face and drops a phone and it So Deadlines and Diets there, that is a real slice of life track, I like to call it, because the lyrics are so relatable. Also, it's probably the most audacious rhyme uh, on this album so far uh, by trying to rhyme gorgeous and nauseous together. I am all for that rhyme, Will. I think it's great. Uh, Because you do look... No, you don't. You do look nauseous. Oh, what, right now? Yes. Too much gin. Much like the girls. So this is the first mid-tempo moment that we've had uh, on the album. And I'm really enjoying it, actually. Uh, Because for me, it's all about the lyrics. Do you know a little bit about the history of this track, Dan? I do. Or maybe for the purposes of the podcast, I don't. So this was originally recorded by uh, an artist called Moon Baby and who you might know otherwise as Miranda Cooper. This was something that now then became a, uh, obviously, part of the Xenomania family, became a Girls Aloud song. And it feels, to me, Will, it feels very, and I hope it's not a lazy comparison, because of the acoustic guitar, because of the quite sultry vocal delivery, I think it's got a bit in common with Life Got Cold, this one. Yes, although it sounds less like Wonderwall by Oasis, thankfully. (laughs) Yeah. Less money in Noel Gallagher's pocket, which is always a good thing. He's got enough. He's got He's more fine. than enough. He's fine. Do you like the, Do you like this song, Dan? I think it's. Uh, I think it's well placed. I think after those uh, hit singles, I think after certainly after um, "Jump and Wake Me Up" being really kind of huge pop productions, I think it's right to kind of slow things down as we get into album track territory now. Um, yeah, it's a nice album track. It's not one of my favorites in the album. It's a nice album track. Okay, track number seven now. Big Brother.
So that was Big Brother there. This one, obviously lifting things a little bit. This is another great album track, but really playing more into that electro pop sound. Um, this one, I believe, Will, correct me if I'm wrong. You're really in the detail with Girls Aloud. They, some of the girls, maybe not all of the girls, took turns in co-writing tracks in this album, didn't they? And I do believe this was Cheryl's turn in the studio. I, I don't actually, I think that's actually news to me, Dan. So, uh... Listeners in that case, let us know if I'm completely wrong, but I have read that. I have read that somewhere. I I think this is an absolute banger. It's one of my favourite non-singles on the album. And for me, it's it's all in the production. There are so many layers to this. You've got a, a really swinging beat running through it, but there's some, so many different synths on the go there and a guitar in the mix as well. I think you just lose yourself in it. It's quite mesmerising once you get the girls' vocals over the top of it. Yeah, it's definitely mesmerising. There's parts to the melody as well that kind of meander and go where you don't think they're going to go. A little bit like a series of Big Brother, probably. And do you think the Big Brother TV show had any influence in this track coming to life? Absolutely. I'm sure they would like to say, I'm sure Cheryl would like to say that in fact she was inspired by George Orwell's 1984 in the original version of Big Brother. Um, but I imagine it's more more the TV show. And of course, the year this album came out, we just had Series 5, which was the huge series with Nadia and Fight Night. It was like Fight Night, Big yeah. Brother time. I loved Big Brother at this time. Did you watch it? This was, that was, the for me, it didn't really get any better than that series, did it? I think that one and Seven with Nikki Graham and Pete and all of those for me, they're the ones that just really, they got it right with the housemates. Because I like seeing people fight and argue, Will. Yeah, and you'll do your utmost to try and engineer that in real life as well. I would have made a great Big Brother producer, I have to say. Am I right in thinking, has Sarah done Big Brother, Celeste Big Brother? Ooh, I think she has, yeah. I was just having to think, post this song, who actually went in the house? And I think she's the only one, isn't she? The other's not too many talent shows, of course... Uh, Cheryl, a judge on X Factor. Nadine went into the jungle. Oh, of course she did, yeah. Uh, Nicola on the Math Singer. Yeah, Kimberly did Strictly Come Dancing. Of course she did, yeah. So Cheryl's kind of the only one that's been on the judging panel, but not been the uh, the contestant. So far. So far. Haven't had a single for a while, so uh, look out for this year's I'm a Celebrity lineup. <laughs> well, you never know. Actually, I she'd be good value. Well, she'd probably cost a bomb, but she'd be good telly. She would. Track number eight now, and this is Hear Me Out. So that was Hear Me Out. And what a great time to talk about the fantastic album artwork. Dan, let's have a look at it, shall we? Let's get our magnifying glasses out. Oh, well, if you click on it, you can make it look bigger, actually. So I love the whole art direction of this period of Girls Aloud because it's got this fantastic kind of collage effect. Yeah, I love it as well. Uh, and the Girls Aloud logo at this time is brilliant as well. It's very kind of retro, but at the same time kind of modern as well. But the the album has got five girls, but they're not. It's not the same photo. They're all they're all collaged together. Uh, and if you look at the single artwork, not so much for the show, but for the other tracks, it is very much like a scrapbook effect, which I love. Yeah, I think it's a really good look. Very of the time, of course. I don't think anyone would get away with this look now. But it perfectly suits the girls, uh, the sound of the album as well. The sound of the underground, you could say. Uh, this is my favourite... Sec- it's my second favourite Girls Aloud logo after uh, out of the Out of Control era when it was all big letters on mm. shiny surfaces. And that's not a reference to anybody's face. Oh, Goodness, no. 
And I'd hesitate to guess that your least favourite is probably the Tangled Up cover. Which, what the hell were they playing around oh, with that? Yeah, what were they thinking? Uh, but the track itself, I think, is quite great. Yeah, it seems quite quick. Obviously, we had the slowed down version with Deadlines and Diets. It's a bit, I suppose, it's a bit sort of almost a little bit grungier, a bit rockier. But of course, the track has taken on uh, a new meaning and it's had a new lease of life, uh, as it was the title of Sarah Harding's uh, most recent autobiography. Uh, and also reached number one on the iTunes charts because of that with a campaign backed by the fans. So I think with that context, but I love what the song has become for Sarah and for the fans. Now, I am well up for lifting things up a bit now. So shall we do that? Let's do it. Track number nine, Graffiti My Soul. So Graffiti My Soul there, this is more like it. And I think this song, even more than the show, really shows off how experimental Xenomania would become with pop music and pop songwriting and song structures and all that kind of thing. They do it even more going forward. But I think this is kind of a real moment for them on a track that wasn't a single, but really is uh, a track celebrated by Girls Aloud fans. Uh, I so agree. And this it, there's there's like one track on every Girls Loud album that's almost like their statement piece that says, this is who we are right now. And it's not a single, but it's on the album and it's there. This is a fan favourite and it's dripping in attitude. It's, it's got a lot of different musical styles and approaches thrown in. You've got a sample in there as well. 45 seconds, things just kick off. And never really come back down again. And I think it's just brilliant. It's my favourite song on the album. Ooh, no, I it's my second this... favourite. It's my second favourite song on the album. Sorry, sorry. I, well, I think, Will, you said Big Brother was your favourite album track. I hate to pull you off. No, you no. Know I said I it was did. one of my favourite. I... <laughs> I'm going to rewind and listen. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my second favourite song on the album. Uh, Big Brother is also one of my favourite album tracks, uh, but we haven't got to my favourite song yet. Oh, that surprised me. I thought it was going to be happy, the show. Happy with that? Well, not quite. It sounds a bit like, well, you're my best friend, but he's my very best friend and he's my oldest best friend. Where do I fall into that, Will? Do you honestly want me to answer that question? Now, uh, the the biggest pop fact about this track, and I'm sure you were just about to say the same thing, uh, is this was originally offered to Britney Spears. She turned it down. But did she turn it down or did her father turn it down or someone else in her camp? Did she even get a chance to listen to it? Actually, Will, yes, she did because there was a demo of it that Girls Aloud heard, so ignore me. <laughs> yeah, there is a demo with, with Britney singing this and I'm sure back in the days, years gone by, I heard a very, very poor, poor quality version of it. Uh, and it didn't sound anything like this. But I just think there's such confidence in the the lyrics, the vocals and the production. Uh, so much so that this was voted by fans onto the second disc of Girls Aloud's 10 Greatest Hits album. Yeah, definitely no surprise there. It's a wonderful song. The Observer, in their review of the album, said that this sounded like a collision between Madonna, Michael Jackson and The Prodigy. I mean, what a compliment. Mm. And also, I can't disagree with that either. In case you're wondering what the sample is, it's from uh, It's Not the Drug by Pep Lab. Um, and it's this, this, the guitar riff that you hear at the start. And it's not only is it like this one, Will. This is Cheryl's, uh, one of Cheryl's favourites from the album. In fact, she, this is the song of all Girls Aloud non-singles that she says she wishes was a single. Uh, and I also read that this was going to be the final single from the album, but then they decided to concentrate on the next next project, which I think was the right thing to do at the time. Yeah, I love the fact that this isn't a single and yeah. it does sit on the album, like many other Girls on Our gems that we have talked about and that we're yet to talk about. So track number 10 now, 
and this is real life. This, again, with this track, there are so many different phases to it, and it starts off with the chorus. Trey Xenomania. Very Xenomania move. I'd have to say, this is the first time towards the end of the album where I would say this is a brilliant, banging album track. It is very banging. With this one, I was thinking it's certainly not one of the standout tracks to me on the album. It's obviously still a very good pop song because it's on a Girls Loud album, but I couldn't skip it. There's just something about it. It's really, really infectious. Um, it comes in, it's, it's acoustic, yet it's really beat heavy and really rhythmic. Um, also, Will, we love a double clap, and you've got that in here. Also, we love the horns, and you've got that in here. You've got that in here. Uh, also, I love Nadine absolutely singing her heart out because she can do it for England, or Ireland, actually. Uh, and she does that on this track as well. Uh, and I was trying to sing along and I just can't, I can't hold a candle to her. And I won't because her dress would go up. <laughs> and he hasn't got the range, listeners. He hasn't got the range. <laughs> something about this one, Will, something about the beat. You might throw me under the bus for saying this. It reminds me a little bit of, is it called Live in the City? Life in the City? Life in the Country. Live in the Country. Live in the Country. Yes. We got there. Something about the beat. Maybe a bit, but there are definitely no farmyard noises on this one. Well, we added a few, didn't we, as it was playing? Uh, pumping and trumping away. <laughs> so, track number 11 now, and this is... Here we go, here we go, here we, here we, here we go. Here we go, here we go. go there dan that's my favorite song on the album well when it started playing i thought actually this is probably the one and i can see why will it's got everything to love about girls aloud song uh it's got a very slow slinky start and then the chorus all hell breaks loose and it's and it's brilliant and it's got the best middle eight ever ever well, not ever, but it's got the best middle eight. Uh, that it's got the best middle eight that Girls Aloud have ever had on a track. Uh, when it goes, amazing synth work in there. But Dan, did you know this isn't the original version of this song? I did not. So, so Moon Baby, aka Miranda Cooper, recorded a version of it, and it goes a little something like this. As you can hear, is a little bit heavier, a little bit rockier, which is a nice juxtaposition against her delicate vocal. Uh, but also, Lene from Aqua recorded a version of this for her uh, debut solo album. Um, and that sounds a little bit like this. Give 
and that goes a bit heavier on the drums and the synths towards synths towards the end. I would have to say though, the girls alive version is the definitive version for me. I think I'd agree with you, Will. I think though this one, there's real sixties hints to a lot of the music in this one, but then also I think the chorus is very no good advice, which of course is interesting because Lenny. Uh, co-wrote No Good Advice with Miranda and the rest of the uh, Xenomania team. So am I, am I out of out of order saying that, making that likeness? No, not at all. I think it's definitely, it feels almost a bit Bondis, Bondis, Bondesque as Bondage. well. Bondage? <laughs> no, you've had enough of that. <laughs> uh, no, a bit Bondesque as well in some of it. And actually it was also used uh, and reinterpreted as the theme tune to the MTV, not the MTV, the Nickelodeon uh, cartoon series Totally Spies, and it, which does sound a bit, a little bit so like this. I think four versions of the same song is a track-by-track record and the sort of thing you can only expect when you're a patron of track-by-track. I have to say, Will, I was uh, very surprised to read. We've talked about Miranda Cooper so many times on track-by-track, but I just delved a little bit deeper this time. And I was so surprised to find out that actually um, she met Brian Higgins through Bob Stanley and Pete Wiggs of St. Etienne. Uh, then Lo- she... I love that fact. It's, uh, That's that like pop music. Track by track heaven. Absolutely. And then they got their first deal through a connection uh, with Pete Tong. And then later, as well as Girls Aloud recording this song, on her first four track album sampler, there was a track called I'm Through With Love, which was recorded by Alicia Dixon. Yes, and I can go one further than that as well, Dan. Uh, yeah. Deadlines and Diets, we've done that one. Uh, and also, there's a wonderful track which we've already played a snatch of on a previous episode, which was called Kitch Bitch Cool. Yes, we have. And also, Miranda Cooper, backing dancer, backing singer for. Oh, I should know this you one. You always forget this. I Come know. on, Dan. Oh, God. Come on, Dan. Oh. No. Gina G. Oh, yes. The Gina most Lovey. connected, I think, is Miranda Cooper the most connected woman in pop music? Uh, we're on to the last track of the album proper, and Dan, this is something you say very frequently. Thank you, Dan. Daddy there, the last track on the album. Dan, so I apologise, I was mistaken. The thing you say a lot is spank me daddy, not thank you daddy. <laughs> Apologies. On record. Now, this track, uh, it's a great album track, and I think it's the closest to the classic Xenomania house style that we've talked about before on previous episodes on this album. Yes, Will, I think you're right. I think there's touches of dance music in there. There's touches of disco in this one as well. Um but it definitely feels... You could listen to 10 seconds, 20 seconds of the song and know it was Xenomania. Uh, they don't need to have their name shouted at the start of it like some uh, music production houses. Red One. Yeah. Which for, for the longest time I thought was Red Wine. Also, this song is obviously talking about uh, the girls are saying, Dad, Dad, you'll be much happier not knowing what I get up to in the city. Hmm. What would the neighbours say if she was creeping through the bathroom window at God knows what time? I don't think you could creep through a bathroom window. It's more of a sort of an undignified drag, isn't it? Oh, there is a wonderful video a few years ago now where a woman got stuck trying to creep out. Do you remember that one? 
this one, I forgot to say, actually, we're with Hear Me Out. That was co-written by Sarah. This one co-written by Kimberly. And then the tracks that we're not going to talk about because they are technically bonus tracks. Um, but I say a prayer for you co-written with Nicola and 100 Different Ways co-written with Nadine. So just a quick word on the album performance before we move on to some funky further listening. Uh, this was critically very well received by the likes of The Guardian, The BBC, The Observer and many other outlets. Just really commenting on the uh, unique pioneering approach of the production how game the girls are to kind of take this approach on a sophomore album but also for uh the attitude and uh individual style that comes through the xenomania and girls aloud melange uh and this was a big hit album as well got to number six in the uk album chart as well for a girl band pop album a very very great performance on this and the start of such success, such future albums, uh, or still to come, and before we've already talked about one on Track by Track. So, further listening, and because we will eventually do every Girls Loud album, I imagine, uh, we are going to keep it strictly within this album campaign and time period. So, Dan, what have you gone for? So, Will, I have gone for one of the B-sides. We talked about this one before. It was almost the lead single. This is Androgynous Girls. Androgynous girls there. I think what I really like about this one, first of all, it's got the groove, it's funky, it's obviously very Xenomania and very Girls Aloud and could quite easily, I think, have been an album track. Um, but I think whereas before I wasn't overly complimentary about the lyrics of Love Machine, I think here they are firmly tongue-in-cheek, very cheeky, um, but it's just works. It works a little bit better for me, I think, on this one. Will, what do you think to this one? Uh, I I love it. I think it's great. I wouldn't. I think they made the right decision not having it as a lead single. But I think the production, the joy is in the production on this. You've got that brilliant reverse symbol all the way through, a great guitar and a great bass line running through there as well. Like and as you've already mentioned, the lyrics, which are very playful, uh, very contemporary. Pretty boys back in fashion, like androgynous girls. Pretty soon, shit will happen. What a wonderful world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Will, what's your further listening? I am going to share an alternative version of Wake Me Up. Easy title, what's been going on? You've kept me hanging down in limbo for too long. You've had your phone while I've been sleeping underground. But baby, hey, when you're gonna come away and turn around? Oh, sun is rising and eating at my soul. So that was an alternative version of Wake Me Up that didn't make it to release. But as you just heard, completely different lyrics apart from the chorus. Yeah, great to hear it though. I think when you really love a a group uh, and know everything really well, it's fascinating to get these little insights into what could have been uh, and kind of what what was out there. Like the different versions of Here We Go, like that um, mythical Britney version of Graffiti My Soul and I think just every so often you get a little drip of something and it's great to hear. Definitely. Also I'm really glad we got to hear the track again anyway A because it's a great song it's one of the highlights of the album for me but B because we didn't mention that uh, for the original version of Wake Me Up it won the Pop Justice £20 music prize in 2005. Well done. Well done girls and Xenomania. We're... Out of time. time. We're back tomorrow, though. Yes, we are back tomorrow, and everyone gets to enjoy this one as we are celebrating one year, one whole year, of Tom Aspel's Black Country Disco. 
So that's going to be a track by track Tuesday episode, uh, and that's going to be everywhere for everyone. But don't worry, for our fantastic patron supporters uh, and subscribers, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are all for you. Of course, do let us know what you thought to Girls Aloud, to What Will the Neighbours Say to this episode on the comments on the Patreon post or over on social media at Track by Tracks UK. Uh, so until next time, thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting and subscribing. Until then, I've been Chrissy Hyde. And I've been The Pretenders. Goodbye. Goodbye. And do we normally do what album number the album got to? Oh, yes, sorry. Have yes, we done sorry, that? Sorry, I'm just yes. can't remember. No, 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 no. I'm not playing mind games. I couldn't remember if we do it at the beginning or the end. I did know all along. <laughs> <laughs> mind games within mind games. A game within a game. <laughs>